You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. X-Man Podcast. That's right. We're back for another episode. I didn't think I was going to make it this week, to be honest. I have I have a busy week. <laughs> I have an album coming out this week. Bad Wolves' new record, Dear Monsters, comes out this Friday, October 29th. And I have some rehearsals for an unnamed project this weekend. And so I'm I'm in cram mode. <laughs> and cram mode is, is no fun because I have these I have these nightmares. And, I, and I've been having these for years, I mean decades, where I, you know, it's a it's a gig and I can't find the stage, or I'm on stage and I don't have my cables, or I can't tune the guitar. It's preparation anxiety. So <laughs> This is what keeps me up at night. And apparently, it doesn't keep me up. It just it just haunts my dreams. <laughs> I guess some people dream of. I'm sure I've talked. I know I've talked about this on on the show before, but it's it's just funny. Like I had it two days in a row, which is very rare. But I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I haven't been touring regularly or doing gigs regularly, so I'm just out of my normal habits of kind of being in a pressurized situation. And when you're listening, when you're on tour all the time, it becomes depressurized. It's just, it just becomes normal. Right. So I think that's a little bit. So I have a lot, I have a lot of work to do in addition to doing a bunch of radio interviews and just, you know, preparing to release an album, which is a lot, you know, I'm expected to do things. Got to post on the internet, be available be an online person, which is not always the easiest thing for me. I, in many, in many regards, I'd probably opt out if I had the, if I had the choice, but here we are being an internet person to, to whatever degree I can. And, and one day I'll, I'll get better. I'll get better. I'll do better. All right, guys. Anyway, I hope everyone's having a good week. I, I wasn't really sure what to talk about, but it's funny because was it last week or the week before? No, I think two weeks ago. I did I did 20 minutes talking about the Dave Chappelle special. And it's funny, two weeks later, that's literally all people are talking about. Like, like if I go on my, my YouTube homepage, it's like this person reacting to... But it's not even reacting to, to the special. It's the reaction to the reaction. Or sometimes the reaction to the reaction to the reaction. And... I kind of realized this. I was watching this clip on Bill Maher and 
essentially it was Bill Maher, uh, this right-wing dude, and Andrew Yang, who actually Dave Chappelle supported in the presidential election. So it's basically you know, three people who agreed with each other, right? But they're having essentially a debate with like a straw man with this kind of mythical, angry, liberal person. <laughs> Which, listen, I've, I've seen some of these people on Twitter. I haven't met anyone. I haven't spoken to anyone. I mean, every person I know seems to like the special. And my particular critique seems fairly unique. Like, I haven't seen really anyone make the points that I've made. Uh, and again, it's it, but it's like this weird nether world where either you you get in a corner where you're like now i do not like this person i am on team anti-dave or or you go on to i am team dave right so if like pretty much almost any comedian is like let me let me hear their take on the special i'm like i know what a comedian's gonna think they're gonna think well i'm with the comedian so this is this is our guy and and it's just it's annoying to be in an environment where almost people's opinions are almost prefabricated. Like I know what Joe Rogan's going to say, right? I know what Andrew Schultz is going to say. <laughs> I don't have to watch the video to go. What, what do they think? Are You think they're mad at cancel culture? Do they think cancel culture's run amok? I was like, of course that that's, and, and that's a little frustrating is that, we're kind of designed in these preset positions and it disallows from actually having a real conversation. I mean, even Dave himself put out a video, I guess a clip from standup basically saying, am I canceled? And, and the thing is, like I said, Dave is so good. I mean, he's so fucking good. Basically you, his ability to give an argument is like, I mean, especially he's out there, he's on, he's on his own. He owns the crowd. He's, I mean, it's going to be a compelling argument either way. Uh, and you know, and he, he, I guess he put out a documentary that's being pulled from all these film festivals. He's like, am I canceled? And it's like, Dave, Dave, you're fine. You're, you're fine. All right. You're, you have more money than God. Everywhere you play is sold out. You're, you're a comedian that sells out arenas, right? Listen, if a band plays an arena, they need pyro. They need 500 crew people to set things. I mean, comedian just goes out there. There's, there's very little. He's he's keeping all the money <laughs> and the tickets ain't cheap. He's doing just fine. And I'm pretty sure his documentary, he can put it out on his own. I don't think he really need, he doesn't really need the industry at large. So this idea of, of cancellation, I just don't think we know what that means, right? You know what cancellation is not? It's not criticism, okay? People criticizing you is not cancellation. I think a big problem with this thing and a common critique about the critique is that people are criticizing who haven't watched the special. And I think that is 1,000% uh, valid. Don't, don't critique something if you haven't seen it or uh, an album you, have, you haven't listened to it, a book if you haven't read it. Don't do that, you know? Uh, Enjoy it firsthand or not enjoy it firsthand and then make it make an opinion on it. Um, but like I said, I my thing is just like 
hey, the, the people we enjoy, uh, their content, whatever it is, we don't have to, they don't have to get it right 10 out of 10 times or 100 out of 100, 100 times. I could love Dave Chappelle. Go, yeah, I, I don't think he has this particular, uh, the best grasp on this issue, but still love Dave Chappelle, you know? But people don't, can't look at that way. It's either I hate him or I love him. And it's, I don't know. I, I, I think it's so knee jerk and there's not a lot of great thought put into it. Everyone's just a warrior in this, in this culture war. Uh, and it, and it, and it leaves very little room for people actually having a conversation. I don't think people are really having a conversation. I think everyone is just mowing down straw men with fucking AK 47s. Just a, it's, these group of people who agree with each other talking about it. And then those people over there who agree with each other talking about it. And it's, yeah, I'm sick of the reaction to the reaction to the reaction. Um, and I think ultimately these people that do these things, it always tends to work out, right? Ice T with body count, putting out cop killer, even though he got banned from here and the cops were mad at you, it ultimately worked out for him, right? I think being infamous tends to help you in some regard, you know, uh, fuck the police, right? NWA, they got, they made a movie They made hundreds of millions of dollars. And in, in the aftermath of black lives matter and George Floyd, they look like heroes, right? So I think controversy actually helps in the long run, even though it might be difficult in the short run. So don't, I, I'm, I'm just not going to believe this whole martyr narrative all right if you're <laughs> talking in front of a crowd of twenty thousand people am i canceled <laughs> you're finding all right C calm down all right criticism is not cancellation okay and be not being invited to being uninvited to film festivals i think you'll survive i think you'll be just fine let's let, let's let's calm down all right it's a uh, it's tough being loved all right all righty then we have a show sponsor this week. Yes, 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 we do. It's a band from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And these, these, these gentlemen are bringing some, some heavy, heavy metal. They are called Gore Throne, and we're gonna play a track entitled Acid Bath.
So that was Gore Throne. By the way, that's one word, Gore Throne, with their brand new song entitled Acid Bath. And it's from an album, I guess, or EP, better way to describe it, an EP that came out earlier in 2021 called The Dissension. And if you want to check out the band, go to their band camp. By the way, that was that was some heavy old school death metal. Like I feel like I was in Milwaukee Metal Fest back in 97, even though I wasn't even there in 97, but I feel like it just has a very throwback vibe and that album cover actually is very throwback. I love it. Great fucking logo. Some metal ass shit. Cursing a lot. I apologize. <laughs> but uh, head over to their band camp. It's gorethrone.bandcamp.com and check them out. Go say hey. Doc Coyle Censure, all right? I'm, I'm here for the people and I'm, I'm, I'm representing. And you also want to head over to their Facebook page, which is facebook.com backslash Gorethrone Official. And it's the only record they have out, but it's, it's streaming. So go check it out, support them. Be like, yo, I'm here for the fucking real, the real fucking metal, the real death metal. That shit that makes you want to get up in the pit, try and lump someone. Like Kid Rock said back in the day. <laughs> anyway, I want to thank Gore Throne for sponsoring the show. It is always appreciated. If you would like to sponsor the show, please get up in my DMs or send me an email to the X Man Podcast at gmail.com. There we go. Alrighty then. We have a wonderful guest this week. And like I said, this is too after, like I said, it was dry. Dry, dry, dry with uh, women on the show for a long time. And so I'm glad we could rectify this. We have two ladies in a row. Hey, maybe, maybe I'll get a lady on for the next show because I'm just i sick of this shit. All right. Uh, <laughs> so we have Vicky, the lead singer from Agonist. Is it The Agonist? Am I, am I screwing that up? 
great band from Montreal. I go way back with them. God forbid used to play shows with them going back to like the early mid 2000s. And Vicky is just a bona fide badass. I mean, incredible vocalist. Uh, she has a really, really just dynamic personality. She's crushing it on on Twitch. And uh, and they have a new album coming out. So I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mince words. And I'm gonna, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna introduce her and I'm gonna say her last name. It's Greek, so I'm gonna try and not fuck this up. And if I get in trouble, then it just, you know, sometimes you get in trouble in life, all right? So with, without further ado, check out this incredible interview with the awesome Vicky Sirakis. Thank you so much for, for taking your time to be on the X-Men podcast. No, thank, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Of course. Listen, you, you don't understand the drought I've had on this show as far as getting enough women on this damn show. And listen, mostly it's my fault because I'm not, you know, I'm just not on top of it. And you just, there's yeah. these dudes, they're everywhere, right? Well, it is metal. It's, there's, I know. there's. It's 90 something percent dudes. <laughs> that's just the way things are. Well, I think the you know, at least on the artist side and the performer side, I guess it's it's 90% dudes. But I don't I don't know if the audience, I think there's the there's audience. there's more ladies. Yeah, I think the audience maybe it's not that high, maybe it's like more of a 70. I I wouldn't say it's 50/50 though. It's just I think it's just that style of music, you know, it's aggressive, it's heavy. It just appeals to, to to men more, but it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but I'm what I'm telling you, I'm sick of these people. All right, <laughs> all right. I need to mix it up. So I, I I appreciate. Like I told I told my audience, you know, um, like a month ago, I was like, listen, guys, I'm gonna get more ladies on here. I'm sick of talking to these dudes. And then <laughs> now, because the you know the show's doing pretty well, so now PR people reach out to me. So and it's like cool people and you can't say no and then it so yeah. so this so so this is a blessing you know um, awesome so thank I, you so i just i just, I just want to thank you for for being on the show first off how are you i'm good i'm good actually this is the last interview for today so okay. you have no time limit like oh i assume that anyway i just this is this is the x-man <laughs> right we get three four seven hours that's yeah. it we're really it says like uh you know free therapy yeah and actually, you know. I do. I have not had the chance to do too many podcasts. Um, really? I think maybe because they're still a new thing in comparison to like the typical old school interview. And I much prefer them. Like, I, I just want to talk about shit. Like, I'm tired of like the same, like, so how was the album recording? So are you going on tour? Like, can we just like open up our mics and our videos and just chat, you know? <laughs> Well, the weird, the weird thing is like, I don't even know if those types of interviews, like, does anyone care? Is anyone reading those? Is that a thing that even really matters? Or is it, yeah. as I call, as I, it's a, a basketball term, a fake hustle yeah. where it's like, you do a bunch of work. So it makes it look like a bunch of things are happening, yeah. but it's actually not really having that big of an impact when it turns out that yeah. it's really going to be as far as quote unquote press or doing pu things publicly, it's going to be one or two 
or three things that really have the most impact, you know? I agree. I agree. And that's why the few interviews that I've done that just kind of like stepped outside of that box a little bit and asked a few like different interesting questions. I'm like, okay, this is cool because we can't change the format. The format is still the same, but maybe if someone like comes across this interview, they'll be like, oh, here's a question I've never seen. This is cool. So I appreciate the journalists that are at least making that effort and doing their research too, and not just asking me stuff that they could have, you know, Googled. Googled. <laughs> Wiki, do the, do the, old, the old Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, like I probably, I'm gonna guess what the number one question is. Uh, so what's it like being a woman in heavy metal? Oh yeah, yeah, that one never gets that, old, huh? <laughs> is that the, well, it's this, it's this weird thing, you know, because my old band, God forbid, was known as being like the black dudes in metal, right? Mm. And so a lot of stuff revolved around that. But, you know, there's been this backlash, you know, like I'll hear some uh, people in bands or, or ladies in bands go, well, I, I don't like the phrase female fronted or I don't want yeah. to be kind of tokenized in that regard. But I always say, you know, it's better to be known for something than nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like you got you to take your niche where you can yeah. get it. It's there's you know, it's it's so easy in this genre to just be a generic bunch of yeah. headbangers that kind of blend in. Um, so I don't know. It kind of goes back. I go back and forth with that. Yeah, I, I don't think like the term female fronted bothers me that much. It's like literally female fronted. So you're fronted by a female. Okay. Um, I think what's a little irritating is when then people just like throw all these bands into sort of a bag <laughs> or a box. And it's like, but musically, this sounds nothing like what? Like, how are you comparing... I don't know, Nightwish to Arch Enemy, for example, like, no. Um, and, and, and they compare vocalists like that too, where it's like, this, this woman's voice sounds nothing like that. Like, would you compare Phil Bozeman to, I don't know, Rob Halford? No, <laughs> you wouldn't. But I, one thing I can say though, I think there, you know, there, there is, I, I wonder, and I, I don't have like the the, met, the metrics in front of me, mm -hmm. but I do notice a lot of, like there's a, a tour out right now. I want to say it's um, Butcher Babies. Um, yeah. What's the other, other two other bands? Um, I'm forgetting the name, name of the two, two other bands that are that are on, on the tour right now, but it's, it's three, mm -hmm. three, three bands uh, front, fronted by women. Yeah. And... I wonder, and I've I've noticed this, you know, just going to kitty shows or going to OTEP shows, uh, where you notice that th there tends to be a higher female demographic in terms of being into the band because I think more often than not, people want to see themselves in right. the bands. They tend to connect with that message yeah. more when they, they feel represented, you know, especially yeah. like lyrically and and things yeah. th things of that. So I wonder because of that you might just get a crossover between fan bases where right. if there's a, a, a young girl, young woman into metal, they're gonna connect with artists that they feel that they relate to more. Yes, and that does happen. Um, like I have, for example, like a lot of people that follow me like on my Twitch streams or, or my Patreon or whatever that I know that they listen to a lot of female fronted bands that don't sound alike, but they they do acknowledge that, you know, like, thankfully like my closest fans that to this point are friends you know they 
they tell me that like, yeah, you sound nothing like X singer, you know, cause, cause you see those comparisons all the time and like the comment section too. And it's like, okay, are you guys really listening to music with your ears or are you just using your eyes? And um, I think as a musician, it's a bit of a struggle to, I've only, I've only realized this like the past few years that not everyone has the same ears. Like obviously your ears are more seasoned. You've been in music from the early demo stages to production. Who's saying I'm old? <laughs> Not you. I mean, like you, seasoned. me, These everyone. Are seasoned. I like this. I'm someone tell. No, no, I'm seasoned. All right. It's like seasoned. the rack. It's like there's some paprika, right, and some salt. Seasoned ears. I like this. Seasoned ears. I'm taking, yeah. I'm, I'm taking that. Cool. I appreciate that. But yeah, like like you pick up on these nuances as a musician that the average fan of music doesn't. So you know, they hear two bands, they they kind of sound similar. So I think the vocalists sound similar and it's like, no, <laughs> we don't, but, but it's okay. Like, I think it, you shouldn't be upset when that happens. Like, um, cause I've seen a lot of people get upset over it. And maybe when I was younger, it bothers, bothered me too. But like, I can't, I can't fault someone for, at the end of the day, it's just their opinion, right? You can't fault someone for that. So. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Listen, and it's, it's metal it, itself is like this constant interplay between purists and elitists <laughs> and uh kind of this want right i think from an art artistic standpoint to constantly do new things and try new things but I i've already said this you know metal is inherently kind of a, a conservative mindset which is it wants to it has reverence for the past mm -hmm. wants to kind of has very kind of strict ideas about what it considers to be the proper way or right way to 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 do something. So there's always going to be that uh, tension, right? Yeah. Between yeah. anytime there's a, for example, you know, like when like new metal c c comes out, then there's a certain type of purist who's not gonna like that. Or yeah. when like emo metal comes out or yeah. whatever new thing comes out, but we need all that new stuff to keep growing the art form and yes. keep get, uh, getting new, new people involved yeah. you know so so it's it's that it's that tough idea between understanding that that kind of vocal percentage is always going to be there there's mm -hmm. no way around it really but yeah. in a way i think that's also a reflection of the passion of the fans that they are that connected that they even they're even, even they're music. yeah but even if they're like pissed off about something <laughs> it actually is a reflection of how much they care you know yeah well i will say I'm really against that sort of metal elitism. I've been, I think as everyone, a little bit of a victim of that in that hmm. what got me into metal was new metal and a lot of those like crossover bands. You don't go from, well, what was on the radio? Like Britney Spears was on the radio in the 90s when I was a kid. You don't go from that to Cannibal Corpse. You need something to kind of bring you into the heavier stuff. Hold on though, but have you heard the Children, Bo Children of Bodom <laughs> yes. cover of Britney? <laughs> Right. I, have, I think that's course. the bridge between death metal and Britney. <laughs> so just putting that putting that out there. Yeah. But but my point is you need those bands. And and I felt because I wanted to belong when I was younger, I was like there there was a phase where I was talking to friends of mine like in my early twenties and I was like, Oh, that's not metal. You know, that's that's too soft to be metal. And now I'm sitting here in my early thirties and I'm like, Well, that was a stupid thing to say. Like 
just listen to what you want to listen to. It doesn't matter if it's pure elite heavy metal or if it's like got some pop elements in it or hip hop elements in it. That's especially one that bothers me. People that are upset with rap in metal. It's like, do you not realize that these two genres of music have the same origins? Like, come on. <laughs> well, that's that's what's actually really funny about it is when rap really first started to break out, all the metal artists supported it. Like you'll see like Guns N' Roses wearing like, you know, Axel was wearing an NWA shirt and yeah. The Anthrax dudes and Slayer, you know, Slayer worked with this Rick Rubin, who was working with L Cool J and Run DMC. That it was because they had they were very kindred spirits. But then there was this, I don't know. It's just I actually when I was writing for VH1, I wrote this article about kind of the things you know about the the, the purism in in metal and where it, and and unfortunately a lot of it kind of ties to I think European roots and uh and and i think that's considered the more european it is the more pure it's considered and hip-hop is inherently kind of american and urban and it's seen as something different but you know that's a that's a little bit of a rabbit hole but kind of speaking about uh how you got into metal and the things mm -hmm. that that developed i mean how did you uh, d get into singing and especially discovering kind of extreme vocals and figuring out you could do that stuff yeah. Um, well, I, I'd been singing my whole life. Like singing to me was just something I did. I was one of those kids that could sing on pitch. So, mm -hmm. you know, teachers would make me be in the choir. They wouldn't force me, but they were like, you know, Vicky's good. Make her sing. Um, and when you're five or six, you don't, you don't know what you want to do in life. You're like, okay, I'm good at this. I might as well do it. Um, so I, I would always sing along to music, but I can't say that I ever had that passion to be a vocalist. Like I didn't really care for it. I would just sing, you know, in my bedroom, in the shower. Um, where'd you, where'd you grow, grow up by the way? I'm sorry. Yeah. So I grew up in Chicago, but then when I was 10 years old, um, my parents and I, we moved to Greece because my parents are Greek. So, and I stayed there up until the age of like 25 and now I'm back in Chicago. So. I do have a lot of American and European culture. So what you That's said cool. earlier, it's very, it's very unique. Yeah, I, I'm really grateful for that. But like what you said earlier about like the European scene being really different from the American scene is like 100%. And I lived through it. Like there's there's bands that were huge in Greece. And then I came here and I'm like, you guys don't know this band. And they're like huge over there playing sold out shows. And Vice versa, you know. It's, it's you don't know. You don't know. Cookie Puchek. Bing bong. Bit long ding the bong. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I moved to Greece afterwards, and I was there for fifteen years. And it was in high school that I heard heavy music for the first time. And um, you said it was it was the newest of metal. Well, no, you. no. Okay, wait, wait. That I heard a little bit earlier, middle school. Okay. And I liked it. So I liked Linkin Park, I liked Evanescence, I liked Korn, you know, those those types of bands. Really cool stuff. But then I got like a mixed CD, so the modern version of a mixtape, with oh, yeah, a I lot know. of like the classics in metal. Um, so there was like Iron Maiden, there was Judas Priest, Metallica, all that stuff. And then there were a few bands with Screaming as well, primarily from like the Swedish death metal scene. So like... You know, um, In Flames was on there, Opeth, Dark Tranquility. 
it's just a mix of of metal bands and i was like what the fuck like what is this because i from a vocal perspective i'd never heard the screaming but i've never heard i'd never heard that like power metal heavy style of singing either yeah <laughs> that just epic voice big voice you know and that's when i started listening to metal and um i would save up my allowance and go to the local record store and spend like $200 on CDs. I was like, okay, I listened to this one Opeth album. I liked it. Let me go buy all the Opeth albums. And now are you are you back in Chicago at this point? Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't buy CDs anymore as much because <laughs> now I'm a musician and I use that money for gear instead, but <laughs> yeah, I could see it. You got listen, you got the bomb set up over there. You got the lighting right. I'm very jealous. <laughs> Thanks. Well, I do stream full time now. So. I know. We're, we're, we're getting to that. We're getting yeah, to that. Yeah. One step at a time. So basically, it was heavy music that inspired me. And initially, it didn't even inspire me to be a vocalist. I just wanted to write music. So I had a piano, no formal training. And I started writing my own music. That wasn't very heavy because how heavy music can you write with a piano? <laughs> and I just started to start singing. I decided to start singing my own music because I'm like, well, you can sing, might as well sing your own music. And that kind of spiraled. And then I, th I thought, well, singing is easier. Uh, <laughs> naive me. Um, <laughs> singing is easier. You're not starting from zero. You're starting from like a five, you know. Um, I didn't think ahead to like tours and like the restrictions that singers have that they can't just like stay up all night and yell and be able to, to perform the next day. But that's another story. So that's how I got into vocals and um, screaming. I only started doing that when I was 25. So wow, it took well, me a long time. Well, the, the screaming thing, it's always like the superhero origin story. It's like, uh, you know, Spider-Man like waits for a bus to fall on him before he realizes he can lift the bus right. because I can't scream. Like I can yell pretty, pretty heavy. Yeah. So I'm like, so anytime male or female i'm like how did you learn you could do that with your face you know so so i think <laughs> and pro do it properly without hurting yourself right that wasn't the case for me in the beginning like as anyone i think maybe now if you're learning there's like so many like good tutorials out there that are free that you can learn like the safe way but when i started not really like i would go on a youtube video and it would be like a 10 minute tutorial and eight minutes they would just tell me like drink water warm up breathe through your diaphragm and then just exhale and scream and i'm like <laughs> how'd you get from that to that like come on <laughs> you know now now there's guides for that so yeah. um i had to experiment obviously like the first screams that i did were like the bad cookie monster where it's just like all like a <sighs> like a big exhale <laughs> of air and you're like i can't do this for long because i'm gonna blow out my voice but I started like listening to different styles and like trying to imitate them. But I think the reason it took me so long to get into it is my singing background. Cause mm. I just always sang. So I felt like I didn't even think of screaming. I was like, I'm just a singer, you know? It didn't even cross my mind. And it just like circumstantial a friend of mine asked me to to give it a shot. And I did. And then I'm like, well, this is interesting and this is a challenge. So I'm going to learn how to do it. <laughs> is it uh? and this is something I'm 
I've always been fascinated as, as well. I mean, is it something in terms of trying to express yourself emotionally that it's a place that is kind of cathartic for you to have that mm -hmm. other outlet or that other kind of uh, end of the spectrum? Uh, I think there are various emotions that you can portray with, with screaming. I think I really explored a lot of different singing beforehand because I've, I've always been into like many different genres and, and singing styles. And I almost see it a bit as like voice acting in that mm. when you're singing lyrics, if the lyrics are happy, you should sound happy. If they're sad, you should sound sad. If they're angry, you should sound angry and so on and so on. And it, there's a little bit of voice acting in there. And I was always fascinated with how many different ways you can produce the same note. You know, like choose any note on the piano and just press it and try and do it in many different ways in your voice. And that's how I developed a sort of like versatility in my voice. And I feel like I hit a little bit of a wall when it came to singing. It's like, okay, I can do all these different styles. This is new unexplored territory and it gives me a different range of emotions that i can use so like yeah i think that's what did it for me i'm like okay even more emotions that i can do right now with my voice yeah i mean it seems like you have a very and you know i hope, hope i'm not reading this wrong but kind of a technical approach to it in terms yeah. of like you seem pretty analytical and you're really diving into kind of all these layers like and it's interesting you use the word kind of voice acting because it actually reminds me of uh, i was watching this uh the special features for one of the lord of the rings films and the actor ian holm who played bilbo would say he would like do a scene and, and peter jackson would do like 20 takes right but every take he would do like slight variations yeah. on on the scene just so that when they're editing the film, they go, well, here's 20 takes, but each one has a different color to it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's it almost reminds me of of that with what, what you're talking about, where it's like, hey, here's this line and I'm you have enough control and kind of detailed uh, way you you approach it. You can you can just do a lot of different things, which sometimes almost it's like <laughs> that almost like gives me a little anxiety sometimes it's like. Sometimes, how do you know what to do? If you can do 50 things, it's, it gets a little crazy. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So I do have that, but I'm self-taught. So yeah. I feel like that's what balances out for me. Like, I, I didn't have a formal education, so I, I don't think I was put in that box where it's like, this is how it's done. You can't think outside the box. So I think emotion, for example. Emotion, it's this, like, mysterious thing, right, that people like to say, like, someone's technical. And then there's emotion, but it's like emotion is in the technique. It's not this mysterious thing that like as a singer, there's so many little different things you can do with your voice that signify emotion. So it's like choose to like when you sing a note, add a little bit of breath to it, like ah, uh, or like slide into a note, go like ah, uh, for example, all these things are emotion. But it really is just technique. And I think it's your mind that makes you do these things because as a singer, you can't plan it all like in advance. Like you said, it could be a little bit like, whoa, what do I do, you know? So I think you just kind of use your mind and like what you're feeling in the moment to just kind of work with what you have because 
I think it'd be extremely stupid too to have like 10 different vocal styles and try to put them all in one song. That yeah. would be, no, <laughs> that'd be a bad well, song. Well, <laughs> kind of just the way I relate to it as a guitar player and especially as a lead guitar player is you spend X amount of time practicing technique or working all these things. But then when it's like, let's say I'm going to do something improvisational, mm -hmm. you just kind of go for it and the technique kind of just Kicks manifests in. itself. Yeah. And so you, you want to get to the point where you're not thinking about it and it's just kind of something that yeah. this happens on its on on its own. Yeah. Um, Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers, think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalist. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. So I want to ask you a little bit about, about your time before The Agonist. You mm -hmm. were with a couple bands, um... Eve, Rage of Romance. Yeah. Well, those were uh, like studio projects. So. Projects, projects, yeah. projects. Yeah. Um, were So you weren't really like touring or, or doing anything, anything like that. How did the Agonist discover you? Uh, I was actually doing YouTube covers at the time. 
because I had these like studio projects where it's like, okay, one of them was my own, but the other one, I was just like the session vocalist. And then I had like cover bands to, to, to earn money from music playing shows. But I tried really hard to like make my own band and it was really hard to do. Maybe being in Greece had something to do with that. Sure. We're known for, eh, let's do it tomorrow. You know, that's like our motto. <laughs> Greek people are like so nonchalant, no pressure, no stress. And I was just like, maybe that's my American culture being like, can we, can we get shit going, you know? And like, it was really hard. So I just decided to just kind of like start doing YouTube covers as a way to A, practice my voice because like you mentioned earlier, practice, but I hate it. I'm not going to sit there and do scales and like it's it's so boring for me. So like I think just singing songs is the best way to practice. So I did that and I was like, well, maybe someone will see it from a different country and, you know, decide to work with me, which happened. But it happened way earlier than I expected, like not even a year into it, maybe they found me. And I had only one cover of Screaming. And it was mm -hmm. not that great. So I don't even know why they wanted me to join the band. <laughs> like on paper, they shouldn't have done that. They should have gotten someone that has been doing it for a while and is like seasoned, <laughs> like I said. Um, but I'm happy they did. <laughs> I think well, that's... Well, listen. I, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I apologize. No, I, I think that that was kind of like the fire that I had too. That like, okay, I've only been doing this for six months, but now I need to learn how to do it like fast. Because I could have yeah. said no. I could have said, like, I'm not ready for this. But then you're throwing away an opportunity. So I took it. And it's like, you got to learn how to do this, like, now. <laughs> well, no, but I was I was going to just essentially relate to your situation. Because Bad Wolves, my band, just mm -hmm. went through a very similar situation. Uh, where, obviously, you have a, a fairly monumental figure that the fans know. And big shoes to fill. Yeah. And at least with a band like us, and I, I'd say with Agonist as well, I think it's much easier to find a singer, an actual singer, singer, and then teach them to scream yeah. than vice versa. And yeah. there's, you know, in my opinion, I think screamers, I, it's an amazing talent, but it is a lot easier to find a screamer than it is to find a, a real sure. singer with a real voice. Yeah. Uh, and that was something that, through our process, especially with Bad Wolves being a bit more on the mainstream side of, you know, the rock metal things mm -hmm. like, listen, ultimately that's what matters. And that's our songs. It's going to be 80% yeah. uh, singing. And it's like, at the end of the day, that's, that, that's, that's what, what matters. Yeah. <laughs> at least that was our, and see, I think, I think Agonist too, it's obviously there's, they're screaming as well, but yeah. that, you know, because there's a very, I don't know if operatic is the right word. Epic. I don't know. There's a certain kind of intensity to the to the singing, yeah. uh, with with agonists that, you know, not just anyone can can do that. You know. Yeah. So to, to, I agree with you. Like I think singing, in my personal opinion, is way more important. Like I love screaming and I love that emotion that you get, but it does not compare to singing. Like singing is this, its own thing. I think it's way more versatile in, in the emotions that you can transmit to other people. And I think that's what it, what did it for them. They saw my covers and they saw that like, 
oh, I have an Audio Slave cover, which is like more grunge rock, whatever. Then I have a Nightwish cover that's like operatic and like different, different styles of singing. So they were like, okay, if she can learn how to do all these different styles of singing, I'm pretty confident she can learn how to scream as well. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, I think in in some regards when you're filling a role like that and it has all this pressure and all this like can that that question can they pull it off can they can they make it happen and and the transition was really seamless um and it seemed and maybe you can kind of give me some feedback on this it seemed like the the fan base pretty much was like on board with what you were doing right away and uh, it's which seemed really cool yeah, I think I think the fans, like the ones that were actual fans of the band and the music of the band, not just the ones that had heard, you know, like one song or two songs, like the singles, the ones that actually listened, album, beginning to end, were very accepting and very cool towards me. And a lot of them took the time to like see my background and they saw that like, well, wait a second, Vicky's new to this, like give her some time, everyone. Like she hasn't been doing this for like, 10 years like relax and honestly I didn't on a personal level I didn't feel that much pressure I think because my bandmates kind of just fully accepted me and like we got along so I felt like if we're cool between the five of us then it doesn't matter what anyone else has to say about it that's a that's that's a good attitude to have because it can you know I think sometimes if you live in your head a little too much it can definitely have negative repercussions but what in general was it like to all of a sudden be someone who's doing covers and trying to put a band together but not really necessarily working out to all of a sudden you're in a real band with yeah. a record label probably had tours booked and all of a sudden you're kind of in the game was it uh that experience was it what you expected or was it something completely different than what you had anticipated no i think it was what i expected um, which which was <laughs> like I expected it to not be easy and I expected it to be that I would go on stage and be really really like nervous and shy because that is who I am like I think after seven years eight years of being in the public eye I've like opened up and I'm able to you know show who I actually am but back then I was like very introverted very shy to the point where like I don't have any regrets in life because I don't believe that you should have regrets in life. Like sometimes things need to happen the way they happened. But I do wish that coming into it, I could have just been like a little more open and just shown the world who I am as a person. Because I think, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, that like you said earlier, people want to connect and they can relate to another person. It's not just about the music and the voice. It's like who you are as a person too. And I think now with social media and streaming and all that, where it's like, here's a camera, here's my basement, this is what I'm doing. People love to see that, that like, oh, Vicky or whoever, this musician I admire is a real person and they think this way and they talk this way and I can relate to this. Like, for example, I'm a very sarcastic person and it's blown up now everyone that like comes to my stream like the regulars they're just like full-on sarcastic comment section to a point where people step in they're like what's happening here why are people so mean and it's like they're not mean we're just being very sarcastic <laughs> 
No, I think you you've hit on something extremely important in is that essentially, and I think this really probably connects to the idea of streaming or social media or TikTok or all the or YouTube yeah. is this idea that uh, we are about kind of connecting to individuals and their it's like they want it. It's like I said, a fan is really like an odd extension of someone who's your friend. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, it's yeah. it's this it's a it's this kind of uh it, there's an exchange between the relationship, right? It's like yeah. I entertain you or I give you some insight or whatever, and then yeah. by virtue of that, they'll procure your, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, consume whatever it is you're kind of kind of put, put, putting out. But it is it has become that a lot more. Uh, you know, I think it's a lot more rare when you have a situation like you know Pink Floyd or Tool. Where it's like the band is this mythical, yeah. I mean, which is which is I think the bands that can still kind of achieve that. Maybe it's like Ghost or I don't know. Maybe there's a, need a, there's gimmick, a few bands for sure. Well, I wouldn't say it's a gimmick. I mean, I, I think not in a bad like way. You mentioned like you mentioned Opeth, for example. It's not like I don't think the guys from Opeth are out there putting out vlogs about their uh oh, no no but t- but when you do see a show like michael's sense of humor on stage is like oh amazing oh. amazing <laughs> you know yeah so he definitely doesn't keep that serious you know persona that the music is um and i think that that has been a big shift that like perhaps it's not as much of a rock star life as you think it is like yeah we write the music that we write and the themes are sometimes serious and they're emotional and deep um but we're just normal people often goofy most metal musicians i've met are like goofs (laughs) um and it's okay to show that whereas in the past i felt like it was like shh you gotta be serious you gotta stand and pose and do this and like be metal you know now it's like i feel like the more chill and laid back you are the better it is (laughs) yeah yeah listen i think you just have to be yourself i mean look at Killswitch Engage, for example, is a man who will be on stage and be goofy and Adam will dress weird and say funny things. And it's like, if yeah. they didn't do that, then they wouldn't stand out, right? They'd just be like every other band, yeah, right? Sure. Like, you know, like Dragon Force is kind of self-aware, right? And they're kind of playing up these these power metal tropes. And that's mm-hmm. part of the enter- entertainment factor, yeah. or you know, Steel Panther or something like that. You know, oh, that, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, who's the most self-aware of of, of the kind of you know the, the the entertainment and and comedy side of it. But but yeah, I think ultimately you have to be yourself because if you're yeah. you're up there pretending to be something, ultimately people, even if they can't, they don't know that they know it. It's something that instinctively they just kind of feel. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and when you have them like super metal, you know, bands like Lamb of God or Behemoth, you like, you know that shit's real. Like they're not Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's off that's why they're successful is because yeah. the the authenticity kind of bleeds through. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Like, yes, be yourself. And and that was probably like my biggest mistake in that, you know, I went on stage and it wasn't like I said, like, you got to be metal. It's just I didn't know exactly what to do. I didn't know how to stand. I didn't know how to talk to the crowd. And I felt like if I was just who I am, that maybe it would be a bit out of place. But it's like, no, you know what? It's not. Just be yourself. And and people can feel it. It's like this instinct that you know when someone's being sincere. 
Well, I mean, it's it seems like, you know, you have this kind of fundamental honesty around that experience, but you don't seem like you're bummed out about it or that it, it's, you know, you feel, you feel like kind of like, okay with, hey, I, yeah. I was learning, I went through this process, but yeah. that's okay. Yeah, and, and I have that approach with everything in my life, like even vocally, like I wasn't the same 10 years ago, I wasn't the same last year. Like I feel like I keep evolving because I have that honesty in my own head and my own approach that when I do something, I know where the problems are or not problems, but like where it can be better, you know? And I work on it. I, I don't go out thinking like, yeah, I'm the shit, you know? <laughs> Cause that's how you stop progressing. And at the same time, you can't spend too much time in the past and, and have regrets because you're just wasting your life if you do that. See, another Greek god, uh, Giannis <laughs> Antetokounmpo, who from the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, who's called the, the Greek freak. He was he was talking about how like uh, oh yes 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 you got it. Come on, that you, was you, that you, was insane. Yes, I was watching that that um won season. the championship. That's right. Yeah. No, but he <laughs> he made this this he had this great quote, and I'm probably uh, gonna butcher it, but just about like. Anytime you kind of uh, harp on past accomplishments, like, oh, I did this and I did that and I won this award. He goes, he's just like, he's like, that's all ego that it, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't do anything that, you know, and I, I always, sometimes like people will, uh, you know, cause I'm, you know, with the show, I'll, I'll be pretty honest a lot of times in my monologues, if I'm dealing with depression or if I'm going through something and people write me like, but doc, you, you wrote this album, you did this tour and you hang yeah. I'm like, but that it's like, in a, in a way, like the, the way I look at it, the past is always dead. Yeah. Right. And I mean, like it to the degree that the 20 minutes ago in this interview, that's already gone. Yeah. Like it's already, the moment was there. Yeah. We enjoyed it and we was it, but now it's like, but yeah. now we're here. Yeah. So it's like, I always feel artistically or even like from a productivity standpoint it's like oh i did this cool thing last week but it's like but that was last week now it's yeah. what am i doing this week <laughs> and maybe yeah. and that's a little i don't know if that's a a perfectionism thing or a kind of uh a ambition bit. thing yeah. i don't know but i'm always like but the, you know like i say every time i write a cool guitar solo i'm convinced i'm like that's the last good guitar solo i'm ever gonna write <laughs> that's it <laughs> There's never going to be yeah. another one because I just, that's it. I left it all on the table. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I understand what you mean. I think it's it's a blessing and a curse because it's a blessing in that you're constantly pushing yourself and you're like, there is no limit. You're just like, I'm just going to keep going and who knows what I'll do a year from now, 10 years from now. But it is a little bit of a curse because it's like, you got to remember to just, you know, pat yourself on the back sometimes and be like, yeah, I did that five years ago. I don't remember it too much because, you know, it's a distant memory, but it's it like was another a cool person, thing, you know. It was like another per it's almost like someone else did it. Yeah. And I you think know. there's a reason for that. Like maybe I'm wrong, but I because I don't know what to trust anymore from the things that I read online, but I read that scientifically the reason that happens is because when you recall a memory. Or a situation you're actually recalling the last moment you thought about that so you're always you think you're thinking about the event but you're thinking of the last time that you thought about that event 
And the more that happens, the more it starts to feel like it. you saw it in a movie or it happened to someone else. Like It's like an echo there. of an echo. Exactly. Yeah. If that's true. <laughs> yeah. No, listen, I, I, I believe it, but I get, but I think it's, you know, it, listen, I think with my own regard, I, I think it's healthy to kind of go just, it's a way of not tethering yourself to the past and get yeah. wrapped up into like what, what I think some people would, could regard as the quote unquote glory days, right? Like the, the, I was the, I threw the, the uh, you know game winning touchdown yeah. in, in high school and kind of because I always I always feel like the glory days are always right here. Yeah. The you know the there's always something cooler, you know that's gonna happen now because I think when you get wrapped up in that, then you don't move forward and you don't do something cool now because you've already created some weird hierarchy in your in your mind that's just like it, yeah. that actually is bullshit. That's like no oh. no you're you're gonna do something <laughs> way cooler now. Yeah. And now you're limiting yourself by this other thing, so. And you don't even know what it might be. Like, I, I was talking about this with my husband that like, it might just be that like you helped someone on the street, like you opened the door for them or you helped carry their luggage or whatever. And it's like, you don't know who that person was. Like you see it in movies sometimes where it's like one simple action can lead to helping someone's life immensely. And it's like, you don't even know in the moment you're just holding the door for someone. Yeah, no, it's definitely, <laughs> listen, it's, it's so, so odd opportunities that you call, you know, something you did 10 years ago, all of a sudden kind of manifests itself um, in the, in, in, in the present moment. That's why you always, like I, said, I don't actually believe in karma. I just believe like, <laughs> no, no, I don't because no, because I, I, and the reason why is that, Good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to yes. good people all the time. But there's this uh, theory I, about karma that it, it can kind of like transfer. <laughs> that, that's mean? depressing to think of, but like it can pass on to like your children or something. So nah, I don't know. That's, that, I, I can't that say that no I've sense. read books about this, but uh, there are moments that I do believe in karma just, just by how things progress. Well, and then here's, here's why, because I think karma only works if you're like, if you have a guilty conscience, right? So if you're like a sociopath and you do terrible things, I think karma doesn't work at all because right. you're not dragging the energy around with you. So you can do something terrible and you just forget about it. Yeah. It doesn't work. I just think if you do enough fucked up things to people, eventually you create reprisals that come back on you, but it's not karma. It's just, you're just doing dumb shit and then people go, hey, fuck that guy. And then, you know, it's like, so it's not karma. It's just like, it's just action reaction. Yeah, I get what That's you mean. I, I like so. to think that there's like a little bit of a balance sometimes in, in the universe or in someone's life. Like my life has been highs and lows. There's no mediums ever. Like I can I can have like a week where everything this is isn't going a medium? amazingly. Hmm? So this must be a high, right? This is like being on the X-Men. It's like <laughs> the highest of highs. And now tomorrow... Tomorrow it's gonna be like <laughs> it might be just what happened. That was that was <laughs> it might be like not gonna lie. Like I can go from one day, literally one day, where everything is going perfect, and then the next day my computer won't turn on. I'll hit my knee on the door. Um, my dog will vomit on the floor. Like everything's wrong, and then the next day again everything's perfect. Like I don't know. 
So I like to think that there's like a balance where it's like, okay, you had a really bad day. Tomorrow I'm going to give you a really good day. And let's repeat the cycle. <laughs> so I, I wanted to ask you odd conversational transition, by the sure, way. Sure, sure, that's fine. Um, <laughs> just about kind of the the evolution, uh, writing music and creating music with the, with, with the agonist, because you guys did a few records like really quickly mm -hmm. and all of a sudden had like a gap and then, and then the the pandemic happens um is it a situation when they're writing music where it's like and they're you know because they're writing music that's pretty ambitious that's got a lot of progressive flares to it a lot where they just give you music and they're like here write to this yeah and it's you're kind of at the whims of what the, what they're doing uh yeah for the beginning for the most part i would just get the instrumentals and put my own lyrics and vocals on it um, myself. And um, sometimes there were songs that were hard to work with, not necessarily because they were complicated, but maybe it just, you know, wasn't my style of song that I cared for. Or maybe there was a riff in the song that I wasn't crazy about. And I just didn't think of being like, hey, can we change this riff? You know, I would make like structure. Um, like proposals where it's like okay i need a breath here can we add a little like instrumental section or something but i didn't really speak my mind about things that bothered me in terms of like songwriting where it's like i'm not feeling too inspired by this riff i don't think this riff fits let's do something else however that has changed like since our last full length and this ep right now the process has been a little more open and honest where if i'm not feeling it I'll just be like, can we change this? Or I'll come up with like my own ideas. I have a piano right next to me. You can't see it, but like, I'll like try and record something on the piano and be like, Hey, can you turn this into a guitar riff possibly, you know? And, um, it's a, it's a better process because I can kind of have the final say, but not in like a dictatorship way, in more of a way where it's like, if you want my lyrics and my vocals to really work on this song, we have to make these changes. Yeah. And um, sometimes it's like from a harmonic perspective too, like the chorus for our last single, um, Remnants in Time, the original guitar chords on there were very simple. Um, and I wanted to do this like whole big choir arrangement and I just didn't have the footing for it. So I took those chords and I, played around on the piano and I sent them back and I'm like, can you put this on, on guitar? And it has more of a classical music sort of vibe. So I was mm -hmm. able to, to build those tracks of choirs that I wanted to do. And, um, yeah. So I like this process. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's good because it's, I feel like no, you know, like I said, being on the instrumentalist side and seeing how so many bands work that, especially on the more technical metal side, you know, you get a little concern that the vocalist is at, like I said, that's just a tough position where it's like, Hey, here's our music and do, do something with it. Like it's, yeah. whereas, you know, and I have evolved so much, you know, playing in, in different genres where it's like now when we, you know, I write music, it's all about the vocalist. Like I'm writing for the yeah. vocals and it's all about if, if something doesn't, even if it's cool musically, it's so secondary, but it, it's, you know, in, in that little more kind of technical metal world, it gets the kind of, the instrumentalists kind of run the show, so it can always be a little tough. Yeah, 
Well, see, I think you need a little bit of both. Um, sure. Because of like my musical taste and the thing I mentioned earlier, where it's like new metal or pop music or whatever, like my earlier childhood years, it's like there's a reason these songs stick with you. They're very catchy and they're catchy because they're written in a way where it's like you hear it once and you're singing the lyrics. And there have been a few metal songs because like I'll check out new songs that come in every week. And by the second chorus, I'm singing along to it. And I'm like, this is really well done because I haven't even finished the song and I, I'm already singing along to it. Um, and I don't think you need to do it. Like if you are like in our case, you know, like more on the extreme side of metal, you don't need to have a hook, like a, a singing chorus hook every single song, but it is important to, to work that in if you can. Um, cause yeah, I think, and it's not even because I do it. Cause like I said earlier, I didn't even care for vocals when I was younger, but I think people just relate to a person's voice way more than they can relate to any other instrument. Yeah. Well, it's vo vocals and drums, it's the most elemental stuff because it's, you know, where it's all part of our, our body and the soul and, you know. It's melody and groove, you know. Boom. And, Boom. and that's the reason too, like why the best metal mixes are vocals, drums, and then guitars, bass, and all that. Yeah. And no disrespect to guitars. I love guitars, but they kind of like the constant struggle just to get a little nerdy here. The constant struggle in a mix is because guitars sit in the same range with vocals that if you just tune in those guitars a little too loud, suddenly the vocals are buried. Whereas I feel like drums and bass, you can push it and you're still hearing the vocals. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> that's the you know, what people don't a lot of people don't realize is that's why the early rock and metal vocalists were so sang so high yeah is that guitars especially standard tune guitars were, were broadly a mid-range instrument and literally the only way the vocalist could be heard was to sing on top of it yeah. and kind of pierce on yeah. you know and so it's i feel you i yeah. feel you there and another thing about the about the hooks in in this in the new metal songs let's say you can't catch no fish without hooks all right, right. remember that people right for sure <laughs> i um, agree so I wanted to talk to you uh, real quick about doing Twitch. Um, mm -hmm. You know, considering that you were someone that has been doing YouTube and things like that, you've essentially your roots are being a content creator and kind of using technology to kind of show what you do and and connect with people. So I guess to some regard, it's uh, it's something you're just very very familiar with and just using it in a different platform. Mm -hmm. Was this something that you got going during the pandemic or are you already doing things like this twitch i wanted to start streaming before the pandemic but i just didn't have everything i needed so like i needed a new computer to be able to support it um and a few other th things that i have now that i didn't have um but i think the reason i prefer streaming over youtube and i still like doing covers i just find it's a long process like it'll take me sometimes one hour to record my vocals for a song and then you gotta wait editing mixing film the video edit the video put it out it's a whole ordeal and the more you do and especially if you're a person that wants to be known for like your original music you can't become like a full full-time youtube cover artist you know so it's something that i enjoy and I'll, I'll still do every now and then but i think the biggest appeal with twitch is how it's it's in the moment you know 
Like there's no edit. There's no, oh, let's go back because what I just said is bad and people might take it the wrong way or I'm an idiot and didn't turn on my microphone. You know, like that has happened on a stream. Um, I like, I like how, you know, you're just in the moment doing your thing. And I think it's especially important for musicians that are actually good at what they do. It's like, here's your chance to prove it because it's unedited. No editing. Like, like yeah, someone asked me on stream while I was talking, they're like, do you have effects on your microphone? I'm like, I have a compressor and a limiter. Um, but if I had any other effects, like my voice would sound very distorted and I'm talking to you right now, like put two and two together, you know, and they're like, oh yeah, you're right. And it can be educational in that too. Um, but yeah, there was like one, one day, for example, cause like Friday nights is normally when I would like sing, do song requests. Um, and I had just started the stream. Now, typically I have like 70 to 120 people. Like it's not anything crazy. I've only been doing it for seven months. And uh, I just started the stream and 10 minutes in, I hadn't even started warming up or anything like that because I do that on stream. I get this raid with like 800 people and my heart's like, what is going on? Because it's like so playing a show. Can you explain the, the raid to me? I'm, yes. I'm a little, little lax on the, the Twitter speak. <laughs> okay, Twitter speak. A raid is basically when you Twitch end... speak. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Twitch speak. Yes. Sorry. Um... <laughs> A raid is when you end your stream and you decide to take your audience and Give go onto someone someone's else. channel. So you, yeah. you raid them. And Love so it. I got raided by this band called um, Halo Scene. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're like a live band that does covers. And they have a huge audience. So they were streaming. They ended their, their set. And I know that they, they play songs live. And that's what I was about to do, you know. And suddenly from like 60 people that were there, because I had just started, there's 800 something people. I'm like, holy shit. It's like playing a show. And I was like, there is no time to warm up right now because it's the whole attention span. You have like mm -hmm. 30 seconds, one minute, two minutes to get these people to stay. So it was actually the week that uh, Joey Jordison had passed away and Slipknot was, was on the agenda. So I'm like, Let's just go straight into this. And I just started screaming and started singing, like no warm up, no nothing. And I was like, I hope, I hope it's good. I hope I don't like sound horrible. Um, so that's kind of what I love about it. Um, and it was good. And a lot of people stayed. And then I proceeded to sing, I think, 20 songs that night. I was on the stream wow. for like four hours. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like you're cultivating perhaps some new fan bases or connecting more with fans that you already yeah you know, i think a little had. bit of both like to this day i'll still get longtime fans of the agonist that'll stop by and they're like hey i had no idea you were streaming um so i think a little bit of both and then random people stop by like it's happened where i'm doing screams and someone walks in and they're like oh why are you making those noises like they have no idea <laughs> But um, I just like the honesty about it. And I like that, like I said, it's a chance in this day and age where everything is so produced and edited, which I love a good production, don't get me wrong, but I don't love it when it it's like people that can't play and can't, can't sing and you literally have the, like the opportunity like, oh, I sang two notes and let me copy paste that and let me auto tune everything. Like, I hate that. 
So I love that it gives a chance to people that are actually good at what they do to show the world that they're good at what they do. <laughs> well, I watched a little bit of it and you, you seem to have a real, you seem so comfortable and have a knack for it and have a great interplay uh, with the audience, which is, which is really, really cool. And you know, something I'm looking to get into start doing Twitch yeah. soon. I just need to like, I have to get some things off the ground and fi figure everything out. Yeah. But um, are you, you know, because you know, there's obviously people like Matt Heafy who who are doing amazing with it. Are, are yeah. you able to make some money with it and bring some revenue? Yeah, I'm I'm doing pretty good. Like um, before the pandemic, I was not making money off of music because we know how horrible it is. Royalties are horrible. <laughs> if yeah. you're not playing shows, how are you gonna make money? Um, and at this point I'm a full-time musician and with like my revenue from Twitch royalties, you know, guest vocal work that I do vocal lessons. I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm like, there we go. some people like to joke that like, I'm a millionaire. It's like, no, but I'm okay. I'm doing all right. <laughs> like I make tens of dollars a month. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the sarcasm thing I was telling you earlier, like. Like I'll, I'll be singing and, and people will be like sarcastically like, this is how she makes the millions, everyone. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> millions. Exactly. <laughs> if they only knew, if they only knew. <laughs> uh, so before I let you go, mm -hmm. and by the way, thank you so much for taking your time to be on the show. Uh, Agonist, like you have a new EP coming out, new video out. What is the deal post, you know, I guess we're in this weird time where tours are happening, but then tours are getting canceled and people yeah. are postponing dates uh does the band have plans and i know you, know, you have the bands in canada and yeah. that stuff visas and vaccine passports and everything uh what does the kind of near future look like with uh getting off the ground touring and things like that yeah that's that's a big question mark because we did have a europe tour that got canceled uh for november that's not happening so we don't know Right now, um, we're looking at some like local shows later in the year, but Canada's just not there yet. Like you see here in the States and in Europe, there's like concerts happening, real life concerts, people next to each other. Canada's not there yet. Um, so we're working on perhaps spring, US tour in spring and like other territories around the world, but it all depends. And I just find that like every country has different rules and restrictions right now that you just you don't know like in one place things are open in other places it's not so um i think it's just do as much as you can from home so like i'm just gonna continue doing what i'm doing and writing more music and putting out content and streaming and all that and when they tell me i can go play a show i will be there and i'll play the show <laughs> You listen, just keep bringing those millions, you know, yes. and I think yes. it'll be fine. I'll be like, hey, guys, I can't play a show because I'm raking in the dough here from my basement. <laughs> well, definitely. I would definitely encourage everyone here to check out Vicky on Twitch and the new Agonist single Remnants in Time. I'll play the song after awesome. this and people Thank can you. people can check it out. But uh, definitely. Is there anything else you need to plug? People need to check out. I mean, I have a lot happening. <laughs> If, so if people stop by like my Twitch or my social media, like I have a lot of content. I've like the agonist. I have another band called Six Sense. I have covers. There's a lot going on. Too Love much. Love it. <laughs> she is she, the queen of content. Uh, okay. I try. 
<laughs> Vicky, thank you so much. You you have an excellent day and, and just good luck on everything. And I hope to see you see you somewhere on tour soon. All right. For sure. Thank you so much, Doc. <laughs> anytime, anytime. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. If you look at the face of evil, evil will look right back at you. with their brand new song immaculate deception i did change my mind i was gonna play remnants in time but you know 
Your boy likes to mix it up sometimes. I was checking out some tunes. I was like, you know what? I like this one. A little bit more to the point. Still brings the heat. And that's from their EP, which is out now, entitled Days Before the World Wet. And that's out on... I'm going to bring the damn name of the... Napalm Records. There you go. See? We might be late. I might be shot. But... Every now and again, I'll remember the name of a record label. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Vicky. She's pretty damn cool. I, I had a really good time having that conversation with her. And I love it when conversations, you know, they just take on a life of their own. They go to different places. And and it was, yeah, it's just always fun to uh, connect with someone. Like I said, we didn't actually know each other before that. But it it just felt like we just, bam. Hit it off running, and it was a great time. So definitely support all her stuff. Support the agonist. Hopefully they'll hit the road soon. And yeah, it's a crazy time. So many tours are getting canceled, postponed, blah, 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 blah. I've been going to some shows. I went to go see. What I see in the last few weeks? I saw Volbeat and Municipal Waste. That was a lot of fun. I saw A Day to Remember and Asking Alexandria. Great, great show. I never, I've never seen Data Remember before, man. They, they bring the heat. They have a great fan base. And I was just at a show the other day, Cradle of Filth, and Once Human, and my friend's band, Drawn a Blank. Anyway, <laughs> man, I, I need, I need some, some brain juice. You know, maybe I need to start taking Adderall or something so I can just have immediate recall. I'm always thrown into exile see eventually it comes to me but i i wish i had that ability to just never get stuck on something everything's boom i don't know if it's had too many uh cores lights in my life <clears throat> i don't know what it is not focused enough not meditating enough you know that'd be that'd be nice just to have i don't know maybe to, to uh get on that that joe rogan alpha brain i took that for a little bit i don't know if it really did anything I don't know, but it'd be, I think that's like the the one superpower I'd like just to be really sharp, to sharp all the time on top of it, a brainiac. It would be nice. Alrighty then. Yep. Yeah, anyway, so actually before I go, looks like Bad Wolves, we got some tours coming down the pike. Nothing confirmed as of yet, but I'll tell you, that's the one thing I'm, I kind of need in my life. I think it's like, uh, I'm missing vitamin T. <laughs> I need some shows. I need that connection and that vibe and and just everything. I think it's been too long. Two years, man. Two goddamn years. Well, I actually, it will be two years probably before I tour again. So it's a long time, you know? And it's been that way for a lot of people. There's a lot of bands that haven't toured yet, but I'm definitely... I don't know. There's something about it. It's so, I guess it's one constant in my life. You know, one could say a crutch, but I think with Bad Wolves, this new chapter, just, just getting that off the ground, you know, and, and learning that whole new energy, playing new songs, right? That's a whole thing. And uh, it's just a fun challenge, you know, just, it'll be nice to, to get in a room and, and, and work those songs and get them, it's always like a project building a house. Every time you have a new record, you're like, all right, we got to play these songs live. <laughs> it's never easy. 
<clears throat> it is never, never easy, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but everyone's busy. Everyone's running around doing a million things. John's away. Kyle's going away. I'm going away, uh, in a couple weeks. It's going to be a while before we can actually jam. So and it's funny because we are the record coming out this weekend, but we're all, we're not really going to get to hang out you know, when the record comes out, it's a very, very odd process. So, and you know, like I said, the label chose to to do this rollout where there's, they're not showing a lot of music. If you go to this website, it's like Bad Wolves. So let me let me look it up. I'm, I'm gonna do this in real time right now because I'm being that person. Where is it? All right, it's DearMonsters.BadWolvesNation.com. There's previews every day, but I think it's only like one song a day, and it's like these little thirty second clips. So you can hear little bits, but you know, a lot of bands, they generally, they'll put three, four, five songs out before the album comes out, but they chose to go a different route. So a few days you'll hear the full record and you go, Hey, hot or not two men enter one man leave, but I'm, I'm very confident in the record and I think you guys are going to love it. So, all right, that's it. Thank you for enjoying the show. Thanks for everything. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, I got to get to work and book some guests because I've been so busy with a million things. I haven't, I'm, I'm a little behind on that, but that's how it goes. Sometimes it's, it's a little ins and outs. I wasn't even going to do a show uh, today. I was going to take this week off, but I said, fuck it. We getting the show out. Me and skipping a week. All right. For the people. All right. Love y'all. The Knicks won tonight. Three and one. Boom. Enjoy that shit. Mom out. Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road. 